You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Emma Heath and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast discussing the topic of project and programme management in the NHS. Um, I just want to start off by saying a massive thank you to everybody for giving up your time tonight to get involved. Um, we'll just quickly start off with some introductions. Um, I'll kick things off. I know that you guys all know me already, but I'm Emma and I work on the NHS team at Evolution Recruitment. Um, we are a Crown Commercial Service Framework supplier who deliver interim digital IT and tech talent into the NHS. Our purpose at Evolution is that we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. There are three key parts to that. Firstly, our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. Second to that, what we do is collaborate with NHS organisations, helping them build high performing digital teams. And finally, how we do that is through curating and sharing insights into the ever evolving NHS and digital industry best practice, such as events like this podcast tonight. Um, so that's me. So I'm going to pick on you first, Jabina, because you're the first person on my screen. So if you could introduce yourself, that would be great. Hi, everyone. I'm Jabina. I'm one of the IT project leads at Sheffield Children's NHS Foundation Trust. So we're, we are a specialised paediatric hospital dealing with, obviously, young babies to teens, um, you know, dealing with, obviously, the complex health. Uh, needs that they come in with and I'm currently managing the uh, electronic prescribing project so we're implementing a system for prescribing the drugs. Thank you very much Jabina. Sam over to you next. Hi everybody uh, I'm Sam I'm the service operations and transition manager at York and Scarborough Trust. Uh, I predominantly I, I manage the service desk so I've got line management of those guys and I kind of manage the work coming in going out uh, and I also look at things like incident management, major incident management, problem change, uh, and just try and increase uh, the maturity of how we work. Thank you, Sam. David, round to you next. Thanks, Emma. Uh, I'm David Bazenga. I'm a program manager at Esk and Weir Valley Mental Health Trust. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And then Jamie, last but not least. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. I'm Jamie Waters. I'm the head of business support. Um, at North East and Hartlepool in the corporate nursing function um, and I've also been recently doing the, um, the head of faculty of leadership and improvement um, over the last 12 months. Thank you everybody. Um, all right well we'll just move straight into the questions. I've got no particular order for these so apologies if they're a bit mixed. So we'll kick things off with question number one. So that is do you think the NHS would benefit from a standardised approach and centralised toolkit to project and programme management? So I'm going to pick on Sam first to get your thoughts on this one. Uh, sure yeah uh, I mean start off I'd say uh, it's a definitely it would do with some standardised. I think across the board it really the NHS could do some standardised approaches and centralised toolkits. Uh, I've only been here about three months at York and Scarborough Trust uh, and it's probably quite surprised in terms of how how little there was in terms of standardisation how we work. Uh, a lot of people they know that very capable people they all know their little bits uh, but we've, we've already started putting in things like uh, operational handbooks uh, just working on incident management we've just finished our major incident manager one 
Uh, and something like that that would have existed centrally would have been a great starting point for us. Uh, something that we could have gone to uh, build our own basis from that. Uh, you probably wouldn't want it to be too uh, strict in governance because uh, I know the NHS uh, across all the different trusts are so varied. Some are, some are enormous, some are tiny. Uh, you wouldn't want to be putting like really strict governance on somebody who's very small. Uh, I mean, in York and Scarborough Trust, I can shout up across the office and find out more about uh, a project than I could do from uh, any kind of toolkit. Uh, but certainly where like Leeds, which is close by us, they've, they've got thousands of throughputs on a daily basis. So they're much more complex, uh, a lot more going on. So they, they would need a, a different processes to us. Uh, but, you know, like a, a basic framework, uh, that would be ideal for us to work within. That would be great. Thank you, Sam. Um, Jamie, I could see you nodding your head a little bit along there. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm on the same lines as Sam. Um, I'm probably of the opinion that should, there should be a framework, um, a framework of materials to be used by each organisation um, within, within each project management function um, that, that probably outlines um, the same things that we all know that need to be involved in project management. So the same principles, impact analysis, benefits realisation, um, financial outlay and return on investment and things. But I, I probably I probably agree in that, that it needs to be not be too prescriptive. Um, there needs to be that room for manoeuvre um, to allow for organisation specific mechanisms to be included in there. So I, I worked in our project management team at North East and Hartlepool and the the framework that we used was was fairly rigid. And I think that that didn't play to the strengths of some people um, and some teams and services. It certainly limited um, the applicability of them tools to different types of projects. So they, the toolkit that we were using at the time essentially was built for transformational projects um, and couldn't potentially use be, be used very effectively for smaller quality improvement um, projects. And I think that's where I've, I've moved into is quality improvement a little bit with, with within my role as the as developing the faculty. So. I can see it from both sides. I think it's really effective if if organisations can share a methodology because I think that's the right thing to do. And I think learning can be shared quite well um, across systems and organisations. But equally, it needs a, a level of flexibility. Thank you, Jamie. Um, Jabina, what, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I would say yes and no, because I think there needs to be a standardised approach. So I agree with Sam and Jamie around the standardised approach and obviously having flexibility, because obviously we're an acute trust, so we're very specialised. So I found with everything, obviously being here and I'm non-clinical, that you have to be, even with project management, you have to adapt your approach to the people that you're working with and to the environment. So you could, so yes, because you could have a standardised approach with a toolkit of your specific documentation because I found that here as well there was hardly nothing so I've, I've but obviously I worked in project management and systems for a long time so I've got you know templates that I've created in the past or you know and I've used previously and then and then and then obviously if it was going to be a standardized approach as in um it was, you know, it was said that, no, these are the documents you're going to use. This, this is your toolkit and you can't deviate from this. That's when I would say no, because obviously you have to tailor it to acute trusts and specialised areas like mental health as well. So that's when I would say no. Thank you, Jarena. And then David, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I think probably echo everybody else's kind of comments <laughs> on that. I think it's 
it is one of those wings that I think everybody benefits from standardization. I think everybody knows where they stand. So I mean, even from a very kind of selfish perspective, almost, if you kind of move between trusts and job roles and things like that, at least you kind of, you know, we can kind of hit the ground running straight away. You don't have to get used to the tools and the frameworks because they're all kind of similar. And there's kind of any number of frameworks out there like PMI, Prince2, MSP, MOP, APM, that kind of stuff. They're all fairly similar, but I think it's just kind of about taking that pragmatic approach about what it's work for the who. Um, so yeah, I think on the whole, I think we would benefit from that standardized approach and central toolkit because I think that also kind of brings on maturity levels in these NHS trusts that aren't quite as mature as some other organizations or kind of other NHS trusts. So kind of having those kind of documents and frameworks already available, you can kind of pull down on. I think that kind of helps that as well. So yeah. Thank you, David. Um, has anybody got any extra thoughts on kind of that first question before we move on? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, if it's something as simple as like a like a centre of excellence or something like that, that was potentially rather would be like an active team rather than just a list of uh, artifacts and things uh, that you could go to for guidance and say, this is my project. How is it running other NHS departments? Have they done something similar? How did it work for them? What issues were there? Uh, that, that would be really useful and effective. Yeah, I think there is something out there that's kind of quite new because the NHS project features conference stuff. I think it was one of those earlier in the year. Yeah. It was really good. Um, I think that work is kind of starting, so that might might lead to that kind of centralised approach. That'd be really good. Speaking from from my experience going into that project management setting, um, I was I was only in the role for six months in in our project management team, and I was fairly new to it. And I think. I would have probably benefited from someone like Jabina with their experience coming in and, and having developed all the templates herself um, and understanding what works and what doesn't maybe in that organization that would have been helpful um, so I think I think it's about having the conversation not just within the organization but between organizations and across systems to understand what what could work and what does work for different different settings you're right we're, we're in a acute and community um, organization so we would probably benefit from a couple of different toolkits um our i mean there's, there's obviously a, a huge focus on cost improvement projects and transformational projects and and collaborative across across the system um and collaboration across the system but we're also on a bit of a journey with our quality improvement projects as well and the the toolkit that we have in place for CIP cost improvement and transformational isn't applicable for the for the quality improvement project that they're, they're not geared up to deliver the same outputs. And I think that's what we found and, and we've we've recently gone in a different direction. So um I mean it'll come on to the one of the questions later on around how how one team can manage all of it and whether whether that's appropriate. Thank you, Jamie. All right, well, we'll move on to question number two. Um, so that is, how value do you think the, the PPM profession is within the NHS slash your trust? So, David, I'm going to come around to you first on this one. Thanks. Uh, I think that's a bit of an interesting one in my trust uh, at the minute because it's, it's got a lot of maturing to do in terms of the, the kind of profession. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people in those roles that haven't... Um, necessarily got the had the right kind of training to be able to, to do it and it, there's no disrespect to the kind of to the people in the roles but there, a lot of them are kind of clinicians that are being promoted up to to not run the project but to actually do the kind of the actual work that the project would deliver so it kind of puts them in a bit of an unfair in an unfair position where they they can't actually manage the project because they're actually trying to do the, the doing of what they're actually trying to deliver um 
so I think in that respect, it's not really kind of valued as a profession, but there are kind of dedicated project and program managers. So I think that's a, the kind of step towards it. And I know a lot of other trusts out there kind of do have like a the head of profession that kind of sits there and have that kind of project and program management head of profession. Um, so I think it is, I think because the NHS is such a wide kind of spread organisation, I think you kind of do get that widespread kind of it's valued in patches and here and there. So I think difficult one to answer to how valued it is. I think it just depends on where you are and kind of even varies probably within within just kind of large trusts, the kind of different patches of, of an organisation departments. So. Thanks, David. Um, Sam, what do you think? Uh, well, I'd, I'd say within York and Scarborough Trust, there's a uh, individual, I think the project managers and program managers are, are respect, well respected and then they add a lot of value and people appreciate them, but probably the the PMO as a, as a whole, uh, it's probably sometimes it's quite hard to justify when you when you're lacking technical resources, both in terms of technical specialists and uh, and architecture and servers, uh, to then spend so much money on on project managers uh, to do these things. I think it is gaining in, in popularity as it starts to show its worth. You know, a, a good project manager, a good project manager will will save its technical resources time and tell them exactly where to go, get them in all in the right places. Uh, but that takes a little bit of time to for people to appreciate that and to see that. That, that value coming through. It, it is improving, I think, but uh, there's still some way to go. Thank you, Sam. Um, Jabina, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd like to add that for um, Sheffield Children's Trust, it's very valued. We have a digital team, so we have a digital boards board, so we have a whole governance around digital systems. So this year, especially, we've had so many clinical systems go live. It has been well received, but I do think going back to the point that Sam, you were making about having clinical people in the team, that's what's made the difference. So in, my, in the team that I manage, we have clinical people in the team and project people in the team um, and IT. So a mixture of project IT and um, like I said, I'm a bit of both and clinical. So it has been a bit difficult, obviously, getting that understanding. And as a PM, you need someone that's going to be able to really understand people and and know how to work with a variety of people. So you really need to have that skill. But I do think as a whole, especially just speaking on behalf of the trust here, my experience here it is very much valued because the first person that they appointed um, after obviously COVID died down a little bit for, EP, for the electronic prescribing project was the PM, which was me. So they got me in first and then I recruited in everybody else. So just on that and, and the successes of the other clinical and digital system projects that have happened and have been implemented because I think we are one of the last projects that is going live for this year. We're going live at the end of the year. Um, it has had a lot of engagement. Obviously, it's had its drawbacks. And yes, there is there is probably pockets of um, areas in the trust where, you know, they don't probably see the value and, and things like that because they don't think that we understand what's actually happening on the wards. But I actually got involved and I was given an induction of doing loads of ward rounds in my first two weeks of seeing how the doctors prescribe and how the nurses administer. So I think it is very valued for Sheffield Children's. Thank you, Chabina. And then Jamie, round to you. Yeah, I think um, Jabina's point is really interesting there. It's about in um, that investment from your your services in that project management function. And if they, like you say, if they value it, then they're going to bring you in. They're going to they're going to value your 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 expertise, and they're going to involve you right from the outset. Um, I think in in our organisation at Northeast and Hartlepool, I think we we are at risk of potentially having low investment into the PMO function. Um, 
and that leads to um, a, effectively a small resource supporting a huge amount of programmes and, and project, huge volume of project. Um, and what what I found, um, and it was it was at the start of the of the COVID pandemic, was that we were effectively project administrators because you didn't have the time to actually spend and, and go and actually manage a project uh, um, effectively. So I think that that's one of the frustrations that I found in that role, and I, I think it might be that 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 service has moved on um, since then. Um, what I do know that within the organisation they do have a, a great. Uh, deal of value and they are respected um, they're involved in a lot which I think is their own is they almost create their own downfall um, in that they take on so much I think they can't they can't effectively manage that project um, or the volume of projects that they that they need to and we don't we don't um, appoint project management posts outside of that function so um, within the digital um, directorate and function they do sometimes bring in project managers to, to manage specific projects but our our core PMIO function um, is it's a substantive um, roles within there and they they manage the projects for the entire organization um, so yeah it's, it's a fine balance I think and I think sometimes we we go for quantity over quality thanks Jamie anybody else again got any kind of extra bits that they would like to add to that? No, fab. OK, we'll move on to question three. Um, so I think this is quite an interesting one and I think some of it kind of touched upon what you were discussing earlier. Um, so this is how can we improve engagement from clinical colleagues on IT projects? Um, so Jabina, I'm going to come round to you first on this one. OK, thank you very much for that. So, yeah, this is something that's, yeah, like I said, it, although we've got a lot of digital projects that is very well received, there is obviously pockets of areas where it's quite difficult to get that engagement and buy in um, so they can fully see the potential of how it's going to save them time so they can obviously save that time and use that time for patient care. So, um, you know, it's basically getting the buy in from the start and having a clear plan of what they want to deliver and how it's going to be done. So, for example, in the team that I've got, the you know the board, the management did a really good, really good approach by having a good business case, a solid business case, what we're going to deliver. We've got this money. We need to deliver this by when. And this is the team that we propose. We've got about 12 workstream leads in this in this project. So medical aspects, a medic lead, a consultant, a nurse, you know, business change, system configuration, et cetera, et cetera. So 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 for they've covered basically each aspect. One thing I'd like to highlight as well is um the business change is always forgot about as well in projects and they really thought about it here so because a lot of the clinical staff the clinical leads when i first recruited them they were like what is a business change so it's about clearing that confusion and educating them on projects as well so even just like um um i found that having that engagement so we've got obviously a lead nurse on the team and she's really good because obviously she's a current employee and, and is a you know is a nurse a qualified nurse and worked for the trust for a number of years so she's really good at engaging with with the staff and getting them on board with projects because she has she's 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 um got a bit of a, a it background as well a little bit um but of qualification is um, yeah, a nurse so i think it is just about being clear and concise in what you're going to deliver and when because most of the time the the lack of engagement is due to the fear of the unknown and the 
just the general change. So that's what I would say anyway. Thanks, Shabina. Um, Sam, we'll come round to you next. Sure. Uh, uh, it's a great question because uh, it's something that is particularly hard to do. Uh, and uh, we have we've got quite a few initiatives that have had to come down from the top really to say to get us more involved in the trust and to get us to do walk rounds uh, and to, to really introduce us to high level senior staff that, uh, that we, we need to work with and they, uh, they need to understand where it is we're strategically heading as, a, as an organisation. Some things are going to cause major change and it's going to be a bit of disruption uh, and we're going to have to work with them to, to, to mitigate that uh, and obviously nobody wants that from their side because it's a lot of resistance to change from within the trust, obviously. Uh, and a lot of major projects haven't gone 100% to plan and we could have communicated them better. So we would need to learn lessons uh, and get into the staff and speak to them directly and learn their hierarchy. I think when I turned up, there isn't a, a great deal of knowledge from the IT department as to what the hierarchy actually is in our trust in terms of what, what the departments are, who owns those departments. Uh, if you need to communicate something, it's, it's quite complicated. Uh, so you, you need to gather that uh, network of people. And our new CTOs come in and he, we have now started doing a lot of more, more ward walks, uh, staff coming into our office to meet us, uh, to, to have more discussions. Uh, but he said that there needs to be that formal network of people that we can communicate to and have that conversations with. People need to, in the trust need to understand they need to take accountability for their IT services. We, we provide them, they consume them, but it, there needs to be uh, an IT service owner on our side and a business owner on their side that can can help yeah, build that relationship. Right. Thank you, Sam. Um, Jamie, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that um, we do in the organisation is we have IT business partners that work with our clinical groups. So we, our organisation is split into three care groups. Um, which is it, which um, sort of incorporates all of our clinical service delivery. And each care group has an assigned business partner from the IT team. Um, so I think picking up on Sam's point is building that network and then relationships between the clinician body, the, the care group management structure and the IT function really helps the engagement from um, the clinicians in the IT projects, but also vice versa, the IT teams in the clinic in the clinical project um, and I think one of the things that I noted down when I was thinking about this question was IT is an enabler to the to the delivery of quality care so I think the the clinicians need some level of ownership of that of that project and I think without it you don't get their engagement um, so if if that business partner can work effectively with with them teams over a number of different projects like you say, it's building that relationship, building that rapport and the understanding of actually what we do in IT can really support how they deliver that care. Um, and ultimately, they're there to deliver quality care to the patient. So sometimes I think IT, we think of IT as the, yeah, they're down in the depths of the organisation and they come out when there's a problem or they need to roll out a system upgrade or something overnight. Um, they, they potentially don't come out and see actually the patient on the end of it these are the IT issues that are, that are causing challenges for the clinicians and actually they can probably come up with the solutions there and then if they do that walk through that process. So I think that's something that we're, 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 we're quite good at um, and our our IT department is is really well, I, I mean I'm not going to say it's well resourced, um, but they are um, they're really integral to, to a lot of the projects that we undertake in the organisation. I think the clinical teams really value 
their input. Thank you, Jamie. And then David, round to you on your thoughts. Thanks. I think for me, it's about kind of selling that bigger picture and the benefits of what we're trying to do to the kind of the clinical teams. Um, it's obviously difficult because there's a lot of operational pressures on the clinicians. It's about kind of getting that messaging right and kind of the kind of methods you do that and kind of different kind of medias you might use. Um, I think that's how you kind of start to improve that engagement. Um, I think what my trust does, the digital department in my trust does really well is actually it's, it has clinically led projects that are IT because as, as you said, mentioned Jamie like there's not really a, a pure IT project it's always like any digital or IT project that has got an impact to an end user so whether that's kind of going out and saying to this team this is what this IT delivery means to you and that's how it's going to change the way you work or if it's um, kind of a, a more general change like if you use Microsoft Teams so you can kind of you have more virtual meetings that kind of thing it's kind of explaining those changes and how they can kind of start so a lot of people kind of get that interest and they kind of cogs start ticking and thinking, oh, this is how it might impact on how I do my job. Um, so we've got kind of clinical change managers that we're recruiting for at the minute. And we've also got um, in the EPR program that we're, we're about to kind of deliver, uh, we've got it's, it's clinical, uh, clinically led. So we've got, we've got sort of a, a, a kind of lead clinician in there and some some kind of clinicians that sit underneath her that kind of go out there and they're out there on the wards kind of explaining what the what the new EPR system is going to do and kind of having that really kind of getting that groundswell of engagement kind of out on the wards. Um, so that kind of almost makes the engagement kind of higher up a little bit easier because it's, it's generating talk around it and people kind of asking the questions or oh, when's this coming and all that kind of stuff. So it does get, and I think that kind of approach has really started to kind of reap the benefits of that. Thank you, David. Um, anybody again, any extra thoughts on kind of that question before we move on? I think it goes back to the, some, some the point that we made on um, in question one around having that standard approach and standard methodology to, to different projects and actually every project should have when you're doing that stakeholder engagement session and, and that work, it should have IT, uh, um, it should have clinical leads, it should have an exec sponsor. Um, so I think it goes back to just everyone everyone using that same methodology um, and actually through that you get the right governance around the projects and, and actually where there is problems and wicked issues they can be escalated appropriately to them to them more senior IT technicians or um, with the clinical leads within the care groups in, in our organisation I just think it's about getting it right from the from the outset and engaging all the right people. Fab thank you Jamie. Um, OK, on to question number four. Um, so we've got after a project has been included, who is accountable? How do we ensure that there are lessons learned which can be passed back into future projects and programmes? So I'm going to go to David first on this one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but this is a tricky one because it obviously depends on what the kind of dev like type of project and who in terms of who's accountable. It's obviously the benefit owner should be accountable. Um, but obviously it depends on kind of what the project is about and what it's trying to deliver. Um, so I'll probably just skip over that bit of the question, but how do you ensure lessons learned? Um, for me, when I've kind of run projects in the, in the past, it's about kind of having that lessons learned uh, kind of workshop after the after the kind of end of the project. Can you give me like a kind of project close down phase um, and making sure there's a lessons learned workshop, which you can kind of capture all the lessons learned, which go to that kind of project foreclosure report. Um, the tricky bit is kind of how you pass down on a future projects and programs. Often they're kind of lost in either a 
uh, Excel spreadsheet somewhere or a, or a project close down report that's kind of filed away in a PML doc um, cabinet somewhere that never gets opened to see the light of day again. Um, so I think that's a really tricky one, but I think kind of embracing digital technology, I think might be a way of kind of doing that. Um, you've obviously got search functions within things. You've got kind of the the digital infrastructure where you can kind of store those lessons learned sheets. I think that might be a way and kind of have that knowledge management in there. Thank you, David. Um, Sam, we'll come around to you next on this. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it, it is tricky because uh, I, I would say sometimes if I get like a, like a major incident or something like that, then after that I would go through uh, a wash up meeting. I would then have uh, problems to get raised off the back of it. I would have to report that performance back up to seniors. Uh, but if you've got the same amount of disruption from a change, uh, it, it often just kind of wraps up and everyone says success and, and, and off they go on again. Uh, and I think probably it, it might go back to, to point one again a little bit in terms of having that toolkit around that says on oh, that centralized team that can talk about uh, here, here's the best approach to doing things, here's how, here's how you run a project, here's, and those lessons learned and the disruption can it could be replied back to a position and they could understand that and then potentially modify that standard approach to say actually in these sorts of changes or these sorts of challenges, uh, we've uh, we've experienced these things that you need to account for these going forward in further projects. Uh, so yeah, passing it on to the next project is, is I suppose, the hard part in terms of getting those lessons learned and having something there that is uh, just kind of perennial in the background that all projects would then feed from. Probably. Thank you, Sam. Um, Jabina, around to you. Thank you. Um, well, because this is my first project in um, obviously the distrust and actually to be fair in in, in an NHS environment uh, sector, sorry. Um, I would say obviously we've got, um, like I said, a business change, got a business change lead and obviously part of the business change work stream is um, to do the business, continue, not continue, business as usual business as usual and business contingency. So I think who is accountable, because we have that here as well. There's a lot of projects, like I said, that have, have, that have gone live. And it's there's always a confusion around who's going to deal with the problem. Is it IT? It should be IT because it's a system. Obviously, I'm in IT and obviously speak to IT um, help desk and, and, and um, you know, um, the directors all the time. And obviously, you know, some of the obviously systems, obviously the clinical systems, so some of the issues are not IT, they are development, like we would call them development issues. So that is obviously, um, that's where you have to have the line. And I, well, my solution to this is from all the other, from learning from others, like like you were talking about, um, David, around lessons learned and things like that. Um, we do do a lot of that. So it is ensuring that those plans are shared and we have got like a platform of digital awards board and we have digital core groups that involve clinical people and IT people, as Jamie touched on earlier. So they're all really good ideas and we've actually implemented some of those here um, and they do work really well. So I think it's a combination because obviously I have the project team to deliver. So obviously, but once it's once it's completed, if there are people um, that form a team, which for this project there will be three permanent people that stay on, uh, who are all still who are all internal anyway, who will be an essential that the team, um, the team who are going to manage the system, so they would be in this instance. But yeah, it's kind of um, it needs to be a joint up approach, as we've touched on in the other questions with IT and with the clinical areas, depending on who 
manages the you know who manages the who manages that system um because it obviously your gen, generic it bots will be generic it bots will be able to deal with everything it related um and but the lessons learned definitely need to be shared and that definitely needs to be shared whether it's internal and a wider regional or national and it i've actually got involved in a lot of the national um e-prescribing masterclasses where there's loads of people from all over the country that have prescribed um implemented it whether it's in adults or children just to get those lessons learned so i think people in the team whether it's a lead whether it's other people in the team need to take an active approach as well because i share that out with the team and they all jump on it because they really they, obviously fortunate enough that we've got a good team of people that always like to learn and actually want to achieve the best for the trust so <clears throat> excuse me um so yeah and obviously because a lot of people because of because of the people that are going to stay on after obviously we we some of the you know fixed term um employees leave then you know that knowledge and information can go if they don't continue to work for the trust so it is capturing those on a lessons learned feeding it back into digital worlds making it available on intranets and and networking it out whether it's like I said internally or regionally or nationally if there's some sort of national group that can even if it's just a digital group that would be fantastic so you can that can be on the agenda like a, a monthly thing what are the lessons learned this month uh, what projects have gone live and what have you what have you found um, kind of thing in terms of now it's concluded what issues are happening how we can resolve it someone will have a solution for that if there's a you know a, a general networking group so I I feel like that's my answer on that bit. Thanks Jamina and then Jamie round to you. Yeah so um, just on the on the first element of that question who is accountable after the conclusion of the project I think Definitely the, the project lead and the executive sponsor that has commissioned that, that project to go ahead um, and um, and has potentially overseen it, whether that's closely overseen it or otherwise, um, is, is it ultimately accountable for the success or failure of the project? I think if the governance is right from the outset in, in the escalation of issues um, and challenges throughout the project is I think if the governance is right, then the executive sponsor should be absolutely aware of what's gone on throughout the project. If if there's appropriate highlight reports going to that to that level um, on a regular basis, then there should be there should be no issue um, in holding that exec sponsor accountable. I think in terms of of the lessons learned, I think everyone's responsible for for learning um, and sharing that learning from a project. Everyone who has been involved in it, so all of them stakeholders, whether it be IT clinicians, um, general managers, ops managers, um, nurses, HPs, etc. I think everyone who has been involved in a successful project or a failed project should be able to take something away from that that they then take on to their next project or share with their local teams. Um, and I think for an organisation, it's really important to provide that space for that sharing um, and sharing the, the successes, um, acknowledging where things haven't gone quite right as an organization we have a celebrating excellence event that we hold every year um, and it gives opportunities for care groups corporate services to really shout about the good work that they're doing in terms of the projects that they're delivering um, and we invite teams so the corporate nursing uh, function sort of manages that event we invite teams to actually come and show us um, what they've done in terms of the presentations their evaluation showcase of the different projects um, but the, the, it's open to the organisation, so staff can join via Teams 
um, it's recorded and shared afterwards. So there's there's a wide sort of scope of delivery um, and sharing of that information to the to all staff. And I think that's an organisation responsibility in in making sure that that happens and happens effectively. I think in terms of how you do that operationally and without potentially big events like that, um, there's there's obviously the need, like Sam said, of, as a, of a bit of a library of the projects and the evaluations from each project. And I think we've we've worked over the last couple of years in standardising our evaluation documents um, and and effectively building a warehouse of all of the projects that have that have gone on in the last three or four financial years so that you can just dip back in and see what actually happened in that project, what went wrong, what went right. Um, and looking straight at that lesson lessons learned log um to to pull out and see what you can apply in future what we're what we're working on now is having that in an, in an electronic platform specifically for quality improvement projects so um we've recently um implemented a, a qi platform that allows us to host all our qi projects on it and the evaluation of them project is standardized so effectively everything that we do over the next few years in terms of the projects that we run through that will be accessible to anyone who has a license to access that platform. And we have um, quality improvement leads across the organisation um, within the care groups and within the corporate functions that are effectively responsible for sharing that learning and making sure that that learning goes into future projects because they have an oversight of all the QI projects that are going on. So it's about organizations providing the capacity to do it and share all that learning but also the infrastructure i think it was a gap that we'd seen in the last couple of years that we don't have somewhere that we can actually host any of that um and we found that actually we weren't capturing a lot of the quality improvement projects which is why we've we've brought in this um electronic platform to do that i think the final piece is that national showcase of um of successes i think we've we over the last few years have tried to really put ourselves out there as an organisation and shout about the successes that we have. We've done it on a number of different projects um, on a national basis and been nominated for awards and things. So um, I think it's just having having the awareness that they're out there because the people that are sometimes running these projects don't have any awareness that you can that they've done that well. I think you're in it and you're, you're focused and you're tunnel visioned on the success of that project and it actually going how you want it to go. You potentially don't realise how successful you've been. And until you have conversations with other organisations or present it on that national um, stage, you don't recognise the, the excellent work that you've been doing. So I think that's really key. And it's probably for senior management in an organisation and communications and marketing departments to really engage and make sure that they're pushing that rather than um, you having to pull them in, I guess. Thank you, Jamie, for your input on that one. Um... Anybody else before we move on to the last question got anything that they would like to add to that one? I think there's like a I think that we've kind of just skated on kind of just this discussion now as as an element of it. Yeah, we talk about the lessons learned logged and kind of sharing all that kind of project management best practice kind of stuff. But I think another element is actually the experience of the, the people involved and kind of retaining that within the organization and kind of keeping that corporate memory that's there. So you've kind of got the stuff that have worked in their long term and that because you know what. We did that five years ago and actually I remember what didn't go so well or I didn't remember what went really well so it makes it easier the next time we kind of do it because obviously the transformation is like cyclical so you kind of always tend to have these initiatives that kind of come around and around again um, so I think some of that is probably just in that kind of retention of staff I think that's a, another kind of good way you can kind of ensure 
you're an attractive place to work and you've got you've had a challenge and people and you want to keep the big product stay there um so you kind of re retain that organizational memory sometimes that doesn't work in your favor either does it david no um, that's true if people yeah. are, have been involved in them same projects five years ago and it didn't go so well i think they immediately shut down to the to the um opportunity um yeah. and obviously the the pace that the digital is moving at at the minute there's, there's always new opportunities to look back on what potentially didn't go so well and can we try it a different way so yeah it definitely works both ways that yeah thank you everyone all right well we move on to the very last question um so last question is can slash should a single project management function effectively manage a range of different projects covering transformational change cost improvement schemes and quality improvement are the skills slash insights needed transferable enough to be applied to all? So, Jamie, I'm going to come around to you first on this one. Okay, so um, I'm going to be fairly open. I have submitted that question. Um, <laughs> and having, having been part of that project management function, that was one of my frustrations, is that we're trying to, we're trying to use one function to serve all purposes in terms of the projects that we that we cover and try and uh, move forward and i think it, it doesn't work um we certainly struggled because there's there's that much and it goes back to some of my answers around quantity over quality as well um i think there's, there's certainly the work that i was doing when i was in project management was very task-based um it was working really heavily with um the teams out there that were actually delivering the projects but it was it was administrative as well and i think there was a there was a heavy administrative burden on that team when i was there um and the focus primarily was cost improvement and transformational projects the transformational projects obviously take up a vast amount of people's time um and the cip needs delivering so quality improvement projects don't really get a look in and i think um my frustration was you could see the benefit of all the quality improvement projects that were being um, suggested but you didn't have the capacity to go out and support it and and really effectively um, help the delivery of that project so yeah I think it, it depends on the on the framework and the tools that you're given and the capacity and autonomy to go out and and do what you need to do I think um, I've obviously taken the conscious decision to move out of that function and and try supporting the QI projects um, and program. So yeah, I, I feel like it can't be, but I wanted to understand what other organisations do and how they approach it. Thank you, Jamie, for your um, insight on that one. Um, all right, well, Sam, we'll come around to you next on this. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh... I mean, I mean, I, I would say it would be ideal if we could have specialists in in each one of those. That would be great. If, so if we had a uh, a cost specialist specific project manager to go out there and do those things, it, it might not always be a luxury that we could afford to uh, have three separate project management functions. Uh, but I suppose it probably also depends on what resources you've got to to assist you in these projects. So do, do you have are you on what tasks you'll be performing in them? Are, are you project managing this thing? Or are you actively pushing this project through? Uh, so are you are you making decisions and doing this work or are you speaking to a uh, specialist resource that's that knows the project and knows knows the money and knows the benefits that you could bring uh, or are you actually supposed to be working on this project as an active participant in doing making this work uh, and I suppose it, it comes down to what you were saying in terms of being 
resourced correctly on the projects is, is, is the key thing. You know? So I, I would say, yeah, I mean, you could have one project management function to cover all three of those things, but there needs to be the skills within that project management function and also the projects themselves to, to enable those project managers to make the right decisions at the right times. Thank you, Sam. Um, and David, round to you. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that the skills and insights of a kind of a project professional are, are transferable to kind of go between cost improvement, quality improvement and kind of project transformational change stuff. So I think the, the skills and insights are definitely transferable enough. I think for me, the the kind of first part of the question about kind of can they effectively manage a range of different projects? I think it comes down to the kind of the scale of them. I think cost improvement schemes can be transformational change and I think projects should be managed as transformational change not just kind of incremental improvements I think that those kind of incremental improvement stuff is more kind of business as usual focused uh, and likewise quality improvement tends to be kind of on that that kind of edge of the side that sliding scale um that being said um I think the skills and insights are transferable enough so I think as long as you kind of change that mindset of the project manager and you're like actually not delivering transformational change now it's just going to be that incremental quality improvement change I think that that probably would be the kind of way to do it if you did have to lump it all together um I think the the quality improvement steps you would take I think it's all kind of under the transformational change and cost improvement stuff it all follows that kind of similar sim, sim process, process kind of identifying those benefits identifying what changes can be made and it's just to kind of what scale they would be is the kind of where that would sit within that kind of scale of project transformational change and, and kind of quality improvement cost improvement. Then if you kind of take it up at another level to kind of program level, if you've kind of got you can have all three of those within that program umbrella. You can have kind of some of the stuff that the quality improvement stuff that incremental change that gets to a, a point when then that big step change needs to be, that's where that kind of project gets implemented. Um, so I think for me there's no real easy answer for that one I think it can can be if that's the way you kind of want to implement that change I think it could all sit under the, the same umbrella um, likewise I think there's a risk if you don't have it all under the umbrella or you, if you have it as a separate part of the organization that then they're not talking to each other there's a risk that actually some of those quality improvement things can go against what a project might be trying to deliver um, so thank you David and then Jabina round to you for your thoughts on this last question yeah, really interesting question. It's got me thinking um, about all your points that you guys have made. <laughs> so I'll tell you what we currently have at the at Sheffield. So um, at the Children's Trust, we have um, we have an IT project managers team, which includes a pro two pro two three program managers and a couple of PMs. I've not met everyone because obviously it's been COVID. They're still working from home, so I don't know if actually we've got more than that. But yeah, it is obviously under resource, like obviously picking up everywhere else. And then we have a transformation team that's actually separate, but we do talk. We're very well interlinked, like with the digital awards board and things like that. So we have a transformation team. We have an IT project team. And also I've gathered just from being in other networks across the trust, there is a lot of other projects going on in other teams. So that's what currently occurs. Um, there's pockets of other teams that do projects as well, which are obviously probably niche and specialist areas. So if it's, um, depending on the circumstances, if it's a trust like ours, which has niche areas, specialist areas, but they're all interlinked, you can get 
like I said, a patient coming in, going to one ward and going to a specialist area and coming back to another ward. So you can get complex scenarios like that. So I would, I personally would prefer and think um, an investment or bringing, combining those resources together. Because even though we do talk, there is a, there's good networks there, but I'm thinking just generally in NHS now, not just specific to Sheffield. I do think it needs to be a combined thing or have more resource because project management, obviously, however skilled you are, you will learn more and be a better project manager or program manager or any point, any type of delivery manager or implementation to projects when you learn and manage different projects because no project is the same. And like I said at the, at the beginning, you have to tailor your skills um, to the environment and to the project and to the people that you're working with as well. And I think that will help individuals anyway grow as well. I feel like it has helped me grow being in different environments and working on systems, IT systems, whether it was, you know, project management development, I've kind of done the different roles involved in managing projects, which has helped me um, in different areas and sectors. Um, but yeah, in, 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 the, in the NHS, I do think by, um, a combination, instead of having these pockets of different project teams everywhere, because, um, I think it was Sam that said basically, um, not Sam, sorry, David, that was saying that you will lose information and sharing and lessons learned might be lost and communication is lost and someone might be doing something here which is going to impact there. Like we've obviously got the digital awards board. So I know now that which project is coming in before me. So I'm very interlinked with them. Say, have you got any delays? Are there any issues? Is this going to impact your timeline, which is going to then impact my timeline? So if there's no communication or joined up working, then yes, it should be um, a single team or a, a bigger team to cope with the amount of projects and complex transformation programmes that are happening in, in whichever trust it is. Um, but yeah, you could, you could potentially, like, like you guys have argued the opposite, having separate teams or separate things, but there would need to be very good governance and very good um, collaboration between everybody. For that to be a success and be efficient. Thank you, Jabina. Um, Jamie, we're going to come back around to you and just like, you know, does that kind of like answer your question, give you a little bit to think about? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it's it's interesting to hear the the the, the thoughts across um, you guys and uh, from different organisations. I think um, I'm probably speaking from experience, and um, there's probably some frustrations in there a little bit in in that potentially that team was under resourced for. Um, the amount of projects that we were trying to take on and I think coming out of that you can probably see where actually if there was additional resource it could be it could be um, one collective team that that oversees all them three types of projects I think you're right in that if there is separate functions you're, you're at risk of um, of losing governance and oversight of all them projects and actually like you say Jabina the lessons learned between um different projects is is at risk of being lost so yeah probably want to to think about and take away thank Fab. You. all right thank you Jamie well I think that rounds up the podcast um we seem to have sped through the first questions and the last two we seem to have spent a little bit more time on it so uh no thank you everybody for your time this evening I hope you've enjoyed it um, yeah, just want to say massive thank you.